this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Ears up podcast. Coming at you here on a Thursday, and boy, are we excited. If I could do a proper Mickey Mouse impression, I would have done it right now, and then you probably would have picked up half the studio and thrown it at my head. Because <laughs> it would have been uh, weird. Immediate unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We are interviewing the great, the amazing, the wonderful Mr. Rolly Crump today. This is crazy. Um, it's been a long time. Uh, you know, coming home, he's busy. And uh, quite frankly, has better things to do than talk to our weird little show that Agreed. we're doing. So, uh, but I'm fascinated with uh, Mr. Crump here, <coughs> and we're going to chat with him briefly. Uh, reading his book, of course, uh, it's kind of a cute story. Definitely pick this book up. If you, it, it doesn't read like a like a like a book. If that makes sense, <laughs> it reads like a like a pamphlet. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's it's basically like transcript. It feels like a transcript, but it, but you get the sense that Rolly's just telling you a story, nice, but with your own internal voice. It's great. It's a great story. It's a great book. It's a great thing. Everything's great, Terrence. Everything's great. That's good. Everything is awesome. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, Terrence is going to join us here in just a second. She's still pulling, putting Alice to bed, and we're going to talk to Rolly here in about 10 minutes. Uh, but before we do that, this episode is sponsored by Get Away Today, Disney's top wholesale partner. They'll help you plan your Disneyland vacation with the best tips and secrets, all while making it affordable with their discount tickets, reduced hotel rates, and layaway plan. Head over to getawaytoday.com slash ears up and start planning your magical Vacation. Tell them Ears Up sent you and use code Ears Up to save an extra 10 bucks on your SoCal vacation package. You know, they're running tons of deals, I think even right now, but over the summer, oh, people absolutely. run some, some deals. I want to say either they just did or they currently still are doing like a get the fourth day free kind of thing. Nice. That That's stuff a happens. That's deal. Yeah. So be sure to stay in the loop with Getaway Today. They're, uh, they're good people. Do they have social medias? Yes. Yes, they do, as a matter of fact. Follow them. <clears throat> you definitely should. I wasn't saying me. I oh. was saying others. Oh. I should probably follow them, too, but... Yes, you should. social media stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some feedback. Okay. We've got one piece Let's of feedback right now. And, uh, you know, it's it's more about me than, than, than you guys, but, you know, you'll, you'll figure it Is out. Is it complimentary to you? Is that why we're reading it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Cool. Of course it is. Great. Uh, <clears throat> this is from Kayla. She says, I just stumbled upon the podcast, and you guys are funny. I had some good laughs. I like how the... Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. This is... Uh, this is about us. This is about in-depth. Ears up in-depth between Jeremy oh. and myself. We just released episode number three. Okay. Uh, yeah. All the room, all the air in the room just got sucked out. Why are we not even, this on this show? It's, it's, not, it's, not even, it's not even a review for our show. Uh, no, it's not. I like how the... Cool. Let me start over. I just stumbled upon the podcast, and you guys are funny. 
I just wanted to reiterate that. Uh, I like how the mood of the podcast didn't change despite the serious nature of the subject, i.e. the internet in a racist frenzy. You guys were able to talk about it in a light way while still hitting the uh, the head, the nail on the head about how ridiculous this sounds. So yes. what we were talking about was how the internet lost its mind because the new Ariel I, is black. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And apparently we did a good job. Their ever loving mind. Lost. She gone. Yeah. Well, and and so that was my story to report on. And I found a a couple websites, uh, news stories that were basically shaming people for trying to use science as to why mermaids would be white. And it was like the dumbest. (laughs) That was my argument with people, too. I was like, so what is mermaid culture again? Because I don't remember learning about that. It was pretty good. So, uh, you know, if you want to see, uh, you want to hear a very light covering uh, by Jeremy and I, you can check that out. Here's up in depth right now, episode number three. All right. Yeah, I'll be sure to listen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, you guys are funny, apparently. Wow. I'm uh, I'm a little offended. That was a, you know what, you that was a stinky thing to say. It was snarky for sure. You're not, you're not a little anything. I know you're not a little offended. That's true. Speaking of stinky things. You want to cover up that stinky comment that you just gave me? MagicCandleCompany.com slash discount slash ears up. That was so stinky of a comment that people listening, it's coming through their speakers. So they go to MagicCandleCompany.com slash discount slash ears up. Say 15, a fat, nice 15% off on all their uh, good smelly candles. Nice. What do you think of that, Beverly? I think it's great. <laughs> Beverly is uh, is uh, using sign language great. to tell me how good of a job I'm doing. Number right one, now. you're doing great. <laughs> I am number one. We're gonna do some Disney news also. There's actually quite a lot to talk about <laughs> in the news. I have like ten stories, maybe eight. I don't know. Yeah, we really um, need to knock that out. It's yeah. It's Damn. is that too soon? <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> That was pretty good. Jeez, yeah. Man. That was pretty good. Uh, we're Sorry. we're cruising along with this show just like a lady in a lark. <laughs> <laughs> was that too soon? <laughs> that was a little too soon as well. They should have seatbelts on those things. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a miracle. <laughs> I can walk. <laughs> she just anyway, we'll 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 cover it and uh uh, we'll, we'll we'll probably be covering it on the secret show as well there this month. Is no, probably. <laughs> oh man, I got words about that. Some for here, a lot for there. Yeah, I got you. All right, well, let's talk to Rolly, huh? Let's enough with this weird intro. I feel I feel disjointed because we're not live, yeah. right now, and yeah. so it's it's a little weird for me personally. I'm just like used to just get getting get going right. Yeah, but if I know that I can just stop and redo something. Then I get in my head even more, yeah. and I go, "Oh well," and let me just, you know. And then we take breaks, and it's weird. I agree, um, but there's something weird with a broadcast computer, so uh, we can't really go live tonight. But that's fine. I'm okay with it. So if you're listening to this pod and you want to watch us for some reason on YouTube, you can't. Yeah, this will not be a YouTube show. I'm sorry for all of our faithful chat listeners and our chat. Uh, pro- People who participate, participants. There you yes. go. But uh, no chat tonight. But that's all right. All right. Let me. Uh, right. Let me. That's it. Right. Let me dial Rolly up here. Hang on a second. Nine oh nine. Oh my god! I'm actually very nervous right now. Suddenly, I'm very nervous. Suddenly, 
That's when you say it'll be fine. Oh, it'll be fine. That's when, that's when oh, I'm like working for like. I think I said it in my head and I didn't say it out loud. I just looked at you. I was just sitting back oh, watching you just man. like. I would love a really supportive, sweat. a supportive uh, group of uh, people. It'll be fine. I'm still just watching. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm gonna dial it. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just changed their phone number since I talked to them the other day. Hello. Hi, Marie. This is Jason. Hi, Jason. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Oh, uh, we're doing pretty good. We're, uh, you know, we're, we're sweating up here. It's pretty hot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Rolly is here. I'm going to put you on this speaker, uh, on this phone. Okay. And since you're on the speaker, I'll be able to hear you. Okay, perfect. And I can translate to him. So. <laughs> sure. So we'll try that and see how that works. I love it. Rolly, this yeah. is Jason. Hi, Jason. Hey, Rolly, can you hear me? How are you? Perfect. Perfect. How are you doing today, sir? Well, we've got, we got a new experiment going tonight. <laughs> so this is perfect because Marie will hear whatever you say. In case I miss it, she'll <laughs> feed it to me. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today. I was looking through your book. It's kind of a cute story. I've been, oh, good. Yeah, I've been recommending this book uh, for, I think, literally months <laughs> since uh, since I've been reading it. And, you know, in the back, you have your, well, I guess it's your, your resume, everything you've you've worked on uh, yeah. for your whole life. It's five pages. Yeah. It's five oh, pages yeah. long. Oh, yeah. You did a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, tell me about that. <laughs> Well, you know what? I have a book, and I'll read it to you. And it's called. It's kind of. <laughs> no, so let's just jump in right now with sort of your background in art. According to your book, you you were always kind of drawing as a kid, and uh, you really had a passion for art, even so much as as your mom noticed. And the first thing that kind of really reached out and grabbed me in this in, in your book is the story you told about your mom uh, when you were sixteen years old writing letters to Walt Disney to get you hired as an animator. Yeah. Did you know she was doing that? No, I didn't. I didn't know until <laughs> later. Later that she'd written a letter to Walt, and I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> poor Walt and all the letters he gets from mothers. Yeah, that's true. Did you, ever, did you ever tell Walt that story later on after you learned it? Did you ever tell Walt that story? No, no, I never did. <laughs> I love that story. I love that. It was just, and that's just the the one of the little highlights that that Rolly has throughout this book. It's 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 really great. So, w- Rolly, when you did get a job at Disney, you were an in betweener on on Peter Pan. Uh, yes. Can you just uh, fill us in real fast on what an in betweener was or is rather? Oh, <laughs> it's so easy to tell. <laughs> no, it's not. First <laughs> of all, an in betweener does every other drawing in a scene. What happens is the animator does the original drawings, the assist, the, the layouts of it, <clears throat> the assistant animators then take and, and does them in between those, and then the breakdown does in-betweens between those, and then finally the in-betweener gets all the ones that are left over in between the other ones. <laughs> oh. So it's kind of, a, uh, kind of a crazy little time frame, but it was a lot of work and it was a lot of fun, and I sure as hell learned how to draw a lot better, so it was great, you know. <laughs> What was that first day like being being a kid who's who's you're, you're kind of just doing your own thing, you know, d- uh, designing stuff for your high school paper and doing all that. But your first day on the job at Disney in an actual like animator position, what was that like for you? It was 
uh, well, that was a little hectic. They put, uh, there was a couple other people who had been hired, so they put the three of us in a bunch of rooms together, and uh, then somebody came in and explained to us how you flip the pages, because you flip the pages when you're doing the in-betweens mm. so that you can see what you're doing. And it was something that I'd never done before. In fact, I didn't even know what animation was when I worked at the studio. I just thought I was going to be an artist. I didn't know I was going to be an in-betweener. So uh, anyway, it was quite a, quite a day. And so the four of us were, we became real close because it was our first day on the job. And we began to grow out of that. And um, we became friends for the rest of our lives. Wow. Uh, it was just an incredible time frame because to be... Was, be there for the first time as an in-betweener with other first-time in-betweeners was really special. I mean, you had your own little uh, place in your heart for the other guys that you you were with during that time frame because it was scary. You know, you, I never knew whether I was going to be able to make it or not because I had never done anything like that before. Yeah. See, the whole thing is that when you're doing the in-between, you have three drawings on your page. You have the, the drawing before the drawing after uh, of the scene and then you have to do the one in between and in order to see what you're doing you have to flip the pages and when you flip the pages you can see how the an how the figure animates so it was uh, it was kind of a little thing but it, i probably i would say in about two or three weeks i kind of could flip them okay <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad i think i would still be awkward to begin with yeah i can imagine i can imagine in your in your book you talk uh, kind of a, a fair amount about uh, mary blair and specifically yes. how her art style was used to walt used actually her art style to sort of push other animators to maybe advance their designs a little bit i think you called what is it a, a, a moldy plum or something like that there was some turn of phrase that you used in your book the moldy fig yeah. That story. Moby Dick. No, the mo the. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be with you in a minute. Yeah, no <laughs> worries. No, no worries. Mary Blair, that was um, the moldy fig story. Oh, moldy fig. Yeah. Oh, oh that's um, Ward Kimball. Ward Kimball, yeah. yeah. Moldy fig was an expression that Ward Kimball used about all the old-time animated cartoons because they were to him they were moldy fig because they were old you know yeah. and and he wanted he was more up to date on stuff and so i was in fact very few people had heard that expression i'm the one that sort of passed it on because he'd say oh no that's moldy fig which meant that it was the old style mickey mouse with yeah. the buttons on his pants and everything so i thought it was kind of a neat little little statement he made about that so yeah, I thought so too. But I, I thought there was a, a portion in the book about where Walt was sort of using Mary's designs to encourage people out of designing characters the old way to sort of advance their talents. Yeah, well, there's jealousy there. Mm -hmm. And I learned that from the very beginning when I started hearing about Mary. Everybody talks about Mary and how Walt really liked Mary and that she was an incredible artist. That's a problem with the nine old men was that uh, it was kind of a threat because her style was entirely different, and they didn't feel that her style fit into uh, the way they were doing backgrounds like Peter Pan. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, all the earlier ones, Pinocchio and all that. So they were jealous of her. In fact, there's a great book, that children's book that we just got not too long ago that was has been drawn up about the history of Mary, and it's just an incredible book because it explains everything so clearly 
about how mm. those guys felt about her. So she was kind of an outcast with the other animators because they were jealous because Walt really liked her, and but she didn't fit in to the mold of the of the moldy thing. So. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I I just read an article today actually about how um, at the animation library at Disney they still get animators going in there requesting Mary Blair's artwork and her designs specifically for inspiration for new characters. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? She was just a little girl. I mean, you know, her, her art was nothing more than little girl's art, but very sophisticated. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to see. Everything she did was so simple. Everything, yeah. It was like a little kid doing it because it was so simple. But the uh, designs behind it, were incredible. I fell madly in love with her and art and her artwork and everything. And when I found out that I was going to work with her, I thought I died going to heaven. <laughs> and I remember when she came in, she came over to uh, help design Small World, and she was hired as a stylist just because she had her own style. And so Walt loved it and wanted her to be the stylist for Small World. So I remember I was in the model shop sitting up on a ladder when she came in and and she always she made all of her own clothes. I mean, designed on her own clothes and had them made. So she never had anything that she bought. Everything was made for her. And I saw her come in. I thought, Oh my God, she's a sharp-looking little lady. And she looked up at me and smiled. And she told me later, when when we got to work together a lot, she says, Yeah, I saw you sitting up on the ladder. You said to my, she said to myself, He's kind of a cute little guy. I like to get to know him. <laughs> So that's how we got started. Oh, I but love that. She liked color right out of the tube, and that's the way I work. I always work with color out of the tube. I never mix black or white with the color. I always go straight with the color. Oh, really? Okay. And and that's for what, just to get the vibrancy out of it? Was that just to get more yeah. vibrant? Well, yeah, more, it was intense, okay. much more And uh, that's the way I work. So anyway, <laughs> so we... We got along beautifully. Awesome. And when we were doing Small World and having it built, this was the greatest time I had with her, was we we were over at the studio in the sound stage, and they were building all the sets from her designs. And we were there every day, eight hours a day, with, while they were building the sets to, to make sure that everything stayed in, you know, in, stay in con- excuse me, stayed right with her style. Mm-hmm. And so she and I would sit on a curb for eight hours and be there at, available to answer any questions they might have. And so we got to be real good friends. And I got some great stories out of there. A lot of the stories I can't repeat or I should repeat. <laughs> oh, no. Because, well, it's because it was a contradiction. Okay. You know. When, um, when you were in animation, Disneyland opened, right? And so was there a, a vibe in the department about – how Disneyland was going, were, were the animators excited for Disneyland, or, or were they sort of buying into some of the rumors that it's not, it's not going to work and this is a weird project? Oh, everybody was excited about it. Uh, I think the, especially the employees. You know, being an employee at Disney Studios when Disneyland was being you know, you know, designed, Walt used to ride things around the studio a lot, like he'd get um, uh, an old stagecoach, and he'd get real horses. And he and the horses and the stagecoach would, would ride all over the, the lot. And everybody would look out, oh, here's, here's Walt in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat riding an old stage. 
And we thought, what the hell's going on here? Because <laughs> I know what that was. And then we found out later, well, he's he's playing games with his uh, new project, uh, you know, Disneyland. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine just your boss just riding, riding a stagecoach around? Right. with? <laughs> Well, looks like you finally lost it. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's a good story. When when you when you go to the parks, either now or, or or especially when the park opened, were you able to to go and just enjoy it as a guest, or would you go and look at it as an artist? If that makes sense. Yeah, uh, when you go to the park, or when you used to go to the park. Yeah. Did you enjoy it as a guest? Yeah. Or did you look at it as an artist? No, no I looked at it as a guest. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I did look at it as an artist until I was asked to work on some of the projects <laughs> as a guest and, and and absorb it. Like I said, I had to be a big sponge and absorb everything that was designed and built because yeah. it was his philosophy of what he was doing. And I just loved that. I and just you were there it. opening day. Hmm? You were there opening day. Oh, yeah, I was there on opening day. Oh, really? Uh, it's kind of a cute story because... The, the the freeways didn't make it all the way to Anaheim in those days. And so I had two other couples. I was married and had two other couples that were married, and I put them in the back of my truck on a mattress. And we went to Disneyland on opening day in a truck and on the mattress. And then when we came back, we stopped in a in a outdoor place to have a hamburger. And that was our, our first day at Disneyland. I actually have photographs of my first day at Disneyland, which are kind of special. Really? You're, well, yeah, it's your first day at Disneyland, and it's Disneyland's first day at Disneyland. Right? <laughs> right? The nightmare. Yeah. You, you couldn't, well, there weren't enough rides open or things to see, so you were just jammed against the wall with people. But everyone was excited about it, and it was great. It was really great. I, I wonder if that was the, the last time there were wall-to-wall people in, in, in Disneyland and people were excited that that was the case. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because it's, it's so crowded there, and I think people are so jaded now. But at the time, it was such a beautiful, unique thing. I mean, yeah. it still is, but, uh, you know, we haven't gotten used to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, everybody loved it. It was great. Awesome. That's cool. And new. And so the public absorbed the newness of the idea, realizing that it was just gorgeous and it was a great place. See, the whole thing was by Walt was based on the fact it was family entertainment. It yeah. wasn't for the kids. It was for the adults as well. And for the parents. And so everything that was designed was designed with that in mind, you know. And so it was just great. That's the way he thought. He thought across the board about everything uh-huh. that was to be designed. So it was beautiful. So how was it for everyone else that was there? So I know for everyone that went there as a patron, they loved it. But for those who put their heart, sweat, and probably blood at some point into making this part on what's been called you know, one of the hardest days ever in the history of the park. Were you guys freaking out? Were you guys running around like chickens with your head cut, heads cut off? Or were you guys really excited about this new thing that, that was happening, even though things were going wrong and cues for the TV show were going wrong and bottles weren't broken when you're christening boats? Were you guys still okay with it? Uh, not, no, you I, were still in animations. But yeah. Other people that actually worked on the park that were – you know, put the thing together. Oh, yeah, no, they were they were thrilled. They were... Uh, there was an excitement in the air that you wouldn't believe. And everyone that, wor- that worked at Disneyland at that time was excited. I mean, there was just something that was so goddamn special, and everybody knew that it was special. And so the whole 
feeling was an up. It was a big upper. And uh, we had a great time. And then uh, probably what happened, <clears throat> that happened as well, that Walt had all of us in animation do different pieces of art. Mm-hmm. And we had those pieces well, for sale at Disneyland. So I painted on some rocks that were in uh, Disneyland that were for sale. So he got us involved with doing little things that were going to be sold at Disneyland. We weren't getting any money for it. <laughs> Disneyland got paid. But it was an exciting time frame. And it was just, I don't know, there was just something in the air that was so perfect about it. Awesome. And it was, it was, in those days, it was a beautiful world to be in anyway. It was an exciting, the 50s were one of the most exciting times in my life because everything was coming back to life again after the war and everything. So everything was an up. Everything was an upper. Wow. That's beautiful. That's very beautiful. So how did you move over from animation to WED? What happened there? Oh, um, well, that's kind of a cute story. Uh, <laughs> Ward is the one that helped me. My, my animator I was working for at that time, Eric Larson, he was one of the nine old men. And he knew that I wasn't happy in animation anymore because I wanted more challenges and I want to do design work. And, and he could see that. And he and I would talk about it and everything. And so what happened was he knew that I wanted, wanted to grow. I wanted to grow out of it. And he went on vacation to Europe. And when I was, uh, he went on vacation in Europe, uh, Walt had a meeting with a bunch of the guys that he wanted to work for uh, with. And Ward Kimball was one of the guys. And, and Walt said, you know, we uh, we got to get more guys out of animation to work at WED. And so he said, um, I said to Walt, he said, well, Rolly Crump. And he says, no, he said, we, we checked in on Rolly, and, and Eric Larson just feels he's more important in animation. And Ward Kimball's just, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, he says, we, he says, Rolly would be perfect for WED. And Walt said, oh. And he said, by the way, Rolly's having an exhibit in the, art exhibit in the library and so Walt went up and took a look at the exhibit in the library and and then shortly after that I got a call that that I was being invited to join WED. Uh, Walt loved the exhibit I had because all all my little propellers, I had about 40 little propellers up there and they all ran off the air conditioning and I think Walt really fell in love with that. Yeah, your your work has a, a, a lot of kinetic sort of energy with it, a lot of propellers. Um, you talk in your book about when you're helping with uh, Small World about putting glitter on a lot of the, um, the, well, everything really, not that that's kinetic, but it does, there is an energy with a lot of your, a lot of your artwork. How did you start with propellers and, and, and sort of focusing on that side of your art? Uh, well, I'm trying to remember the name of the animator that had one propeller. He, uh, he took the end of a paper clip, I mean, a clip from the eraser on the black wing pencil, and he bent it and put a dent in it and made a propeller out of it, and he had it on a push pin on his light on his desk because hmm. the heat from the lamp made the little propeller spin around. And I, I love the damn propeller. And I just, of course, I loved anything in art that had movement to it. I loved mobiles and all that good stuff. So <clears throat> I kept asking him, you know, how'd you do that? Because I tried to make them, and I couldn't get them to work. And he said, oh, it's a secret. And so, I, and I kept after him, after him, I'd say probably after four or five weeks, he finally says, I'll tell you what, he says, I'll sell it to you. And I said, okay, I'll buy it. I said, how much? And he says, a penny. So he, he gave me a propeller, and I had a propeller. What I had was doing wrong was I was using a nail to make the dent 
in the little uh, clip. Yeah. And that didn't work because uh, if it was on a pin, the nail made an awkward uh, kind of a rough little surface for the uh, for the for it to ride on. So it was a ballpoint pen that he used, so it had a smooth surface. So I not only got you know got that. So then all of a sudden, <clears throat> I started making propellers about all out of everything out of little Japanese buildings that I had, and I don't. I had a great time. In fact, uh, I my son still has the original eight millimeter film of those propellers that I did, and one of these days I'm going to get Chris to pull those those pictures out of the film and uh, make prints out of them. Yeah. They're, they're very special to me because that's what started the whole damn thing. And Walt loved the propellers. He just loved them. And that's why he asked me to do the Tower of the Four Winds for the World's Fair. Wow. That's amazing. That's great. That's great. We'll definitely get to that. I do have a, a, a question from one of our, our fans about the Tower of the Four Winds, but I want to get to this, uh, uh, again, a cute story in your book about you had a, a gallery. And I, if I remember correctly, at the time, you know, Wed was keeping you busy, but you still wanted to branch out and do some art. So I believe it was your mom said, hey, why don't you open an art gallery? And you said, yeah, OK. And then you got robbed about my gallery yeah yeah i uh there was a time frame there to where they weren't keeping me very busy and i was getting like i had a lot of energy in those days and they weren't keeping me very busy and so a very good friend of mine that went to high school with ernie ball says why don't you have a, open up your own real art gallery so i did <clears throat> and i didn't and i did just to, to get exposed to see what it was like to see if i could sell some of my paintings I had my marijuana posters in there and everything, so I had kind of a fun time with this little art gallery. And in fact, what happened was Walt found out about my art gallery and actually sent me flowers on opening night, Aww. which I thought was really kind of sweet of him. So he kind of kept an eye on me. <laughs> the old guy was very special. <laughs> and then tell us uh, about the the night you got held up. About the robbery. Oh yeah, well. <laughs> I uh, my mom walked uh, around the gallery during the day, and then I ran out and I did it at nighttime. And um, I always had little plants uh, in in the uh, in my little gallery, and so on the, in the evenings when I was there, and I would take the plants out behind the the back door in a little area that was back there, and water my plants. But well, one night I was watering my plants, and I looked down and there was a man's two feet. Uh, down by my plants, and I thought, what the hell is this? And so I stood up, and here was a man that had a, a handkerchief over his face and a gun. And he, and I just thought, holy shit, what's this all about? So he says, let's go inside. So we went inside, and uh, and he just said, uh, how much money do you have here in the cash register? And I said, I don't know. I think there's $60 in there. And the funny, this is the greatest story of all, because... I'm scared to death. I mean, I, you know, what would you be scared? Somebody had a mask over their face and a gun in their hand. Oh, yeah. And they're talking to you. Oh, for sure. Anyway, I said, um, well, now let me tell you what. I said, there is $60 in the, in the uh, cash register. But I said, it, it's an antique cash register. And the only way I can open it is to lift the lid and push a little button to open the drawer. Because I thought if I just lift the lid, he'd probably think I'm reaching for a gun and he'll shoot me. <laughs> right. And so I thought I better explain. So I talked 
very slowly about everything I was saying to him. And he, he probably thought, what the hell's going on here with this guy? So anyway, I told him, and, and I left the lid, and I got my $60 out of there, and I gave him my $60. And about this time, I thought, well, he's probably going to leave. And I was starting to get worried. I started to kind of, you know, get a look on my face or get a little out of breath or whatever. And he noticed that. Yeah. And uh, he says, are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, you know. And so he said, uh, wait a minute. And he thought I was upset about the money. I wasn't thinking about the goddamn money. I was thinking about my life. Right. And he said, um, if you really need this money, he said, um, I'll give it back. Wow. And I said, what? And so he and I stood inside my little gallery arguing about who was going to get the money. And uh, I, I thought, Jesus, this is ridiculous. And I said, no, no, you, you're going to a lot more trouble than I am to get this money. I said, you should take it. No, no, you can have it back. No, you should. <laughs> so finally, it was good. I said, okay, fine. I'll take I said, you take the, the money and we'll let it go at that. And he said, okay. So he said, I'm going to go now. And then he would tell me that there was somebody outside in another car keeping an eye on me because he knew that I was going to have, see, I didn't have a phone and I was going to have to go over to the bowling alley and call the police because I told him, you know, I have to call the police. Right. Of course. Can you imagine he talking to a, a guy with a gun on you about, I'll have to, i got to call the police about this, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, we had the greatest conversation going. <clears throat> so anyway, um, what happened was he finally said, okay. And as he was leaving, I said, can you do me a favor? And he said, what's that? I said, don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's just something about you got you kind of got loose after a while after dealing with him. He was kind of like he was, he was a weird friend. Yeah, I had. <laughs> so I had to go across this Ventura Boulevard over to the bowling alley, and then I had to get a, a phone book out to find out how to call the police. And I, you know, put my dime in or whatever, and I called the police, and I told them I, I was held up and where I was and everything. And before I got off the phone, I'm still over in, in the bowling alley. All these cops pulled up, and there was like five or six cops on, in cars and three or four motorcycles because it was armed robbery, for God's sakes. Yeah. So I went over there, and then, so we went, so I got the cops to come in and explain to them about everything, about this, and I had a big bottle of wine, so as soon as I got back over there, I poured myself a big glass of wine, and I'm talking to the cops about this. And meanwhile, I got all my marijuana posters, my dope posters, all over the walls, and I'm thinking, oh my God. <laughs> Did now, they... You know, who, who, where'd you get these posters and stuff? But anyway, it was it was kind of a at the end of it was a fun evening. But uh, needless to say, I was scared shitless. You know? <laughs> yeah. What what did the cop? What was the cops' reaction when you told them that you you literally argued with an armed robber about who should take your money? Oh yeah, I told them. I told them the whole story, yeah. and I don't think they believed me. I think they just thought I'm a crazy artist. Yeah, <clears throat> because they never went into any details about what we talked about. Other than the fact, you know, it was just one of those. But after that, I was scared to death in the evenings when I was working there uh, because I put a bell on the door up front. So if you open the door, the bell would ring. And when, this was at nighttime when it was dark. And every time that damn bell bell would ring, I got scared to death. But uh, I kind of worked out of that after a while. Yeah. Yeah, that because you, once you go through that experience, and the interesting thing about it was <clears throat> I'm kind of a friendly guy. So here I am talking to the guy with a gun. And, you know, kind of kidding about stuff and talking, and he's having a conversation. So we had a conversation, and you're not supposed to have a conversation with a robber, no. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll check the rules on that. 
Yeah, that's but a good. It was, that's it was a good story. Incredible. That's and a, it's all right there, word for word, in the book. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a good story. Uh, speaking of another good story, let's move to the haunted mansion real quick. I just want to p- kind of pick and choose a couple different points in your life working at Wed, working in Disneyland. Um, a lot of the stuff is in the book, so I don't want to go through it like in super detail. But there are a couple pieces of information that I didn't really know, or I do want to chat with you about um, working with Yale Gracie on on the effects for the haunted mansion. It. It sounded like you guys were working together before you knew what the Haunted Mansion was really going to be like. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Walt got Yale, Gracie, and I and and put us together in a big room, and he said, I want you guys to work on the Haunted Mansion. And and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) What are we supposed to do? What do you mean work on the mansion? It was already designed physically. Architecturally, it was designed. But Walt wanted us to come with ideas about what might be in the mansion. Hmm. And uh, the interesting thing about this was that Walt had wanted from day one, and over the years he had different people in animation work on the on the mansion with ideas. And so we had stacks of drawings that were done by Disney artists, you know, that worked in layout about what the gags might be or what the mansion had to scare people with or whatever. So we had stacks and stacks of drawings to work with and then we were what we were doing was coming up with ideas of what you would put in there that would be scary and uh, so we worked out a whole bunch of stuff in fact we actually ended up designing a room and had a built, built this room over at the one of the sound stages and what the room was was supposedly where the sea captain lived mm-hmm. and you when you were on it was a walk through at that time so you were being you know taken through the mansion walking and so one room there was going to be, you walked in, and this was the the, 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 uh, the the room that belonged to the sea captain. And so you're, you're on an upper level looking down into the room. And what we had in there was supposedly he had killed his wife and blocked, I mean, put her on the wall behind bricks and everything. So we actually did this uh, illusion. And uh, what happened was you had a room down below that you looked into, and the... the uh, the blinds and the uh, everything was kind of moving because of the breeze, and when we had coyotes and wolves kind of roaring in the distance, you know, and then we had um, all this kind of spooky look of the room while you're looking down there, and then all of a sudden, the sea captain appears right in the middle of the floor, wow. and he's dripping wet, and the water is still running off of him because it's raining outside. And he's got a yellow slicker on and everything. And, and there he is standing there, and, and he's a ghost. And you can see through him and everything. And then all of a sudden, was behind the, where the fireplace was, uh, behind the bricks, all of a sudden, you see her appear. She's bricked up inside there, his wife that he had killed. And all of a sudden, she appears, and uh, the, cap, uh, the sea captain looks up, and she comes out of the wall as a ghost, screaming and charging towards him with everything that she was wearing, kind of flowing in the breeze. Wow. And when she gets right to where he is, they both disappear. Jeez. And that was that little sequence. Now, that was a three-minute sequence that was going to be part of the walkthrough. Of course, we never had a walkthrough, so, so we never did that. But we built a model of that, and we showed it to Walt, and Walt just loved it. <laughs> he just thought that was the greatest thing going, because it was what we called Pepper's Ghost which is an illusion, mm-hmm. uh, a magician's illusion that we use to, 
to do all of that. So we, Yale and I had a great time doing that. <clears throat> in fact, if you looked at all the illusions that, at, at the mansion today that Yale designed and built, and you removed them from the mansion, the mansion would be nothing. Oh, for sure. 100%. You know, all the ghosts running around in a circle down to the dining area and all that. I mean, it was Yale. Yale was the secret to making the mansion what the mansion is today. And I really, and he never got as much credit as he should have got because he did lots of illusions that were in there. Mm-hmm. And I just feel kind of sad about it. Mm. Do you you th- know, he was killed. He was murdered. Really? I did not know that. He was shot and killed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. That's a word. That's another word. Another one of my word stories. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, Gracie deserved a lot oh, more man. than what he got. Do, do you think he, that that the Tinker Toy Man? You know, he's like Geppetto. Yeah. Do you think that uh, a, a lot of uh, Imagineers like you and Yale and and and, and you know Mark Davis uh, for for that matter, although Mark Davis seems a little more well known, um, do you guys think that you, you you are all sort of getting more attention now over the last ten years or so, getting more credit now that the internet's out, now that there are weird people like us doing podcasts and wanting to reach out and learn more about this stuff? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And that's. That's how they found you. Yeah, People well, have found you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they found me. That's right. <laughs> we found you, Roll. You can't go anywhere. Go anywhere. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I can't get away. No, that's I true. I'm trapped. <laughs> um, I did read in your book about the stretching portraits, and I w- just wanted to mention that, that you had a, a, a concept for those. You had original artwork, and then Mark Davis came in and saw your artwork. Could you talk a little bit about that? The stretching Oh, the stretch paintings? Yeah, yeah I did the, uh, <clears throat> that was Yale's idea. And we built a model on it. And um, and, he, we, and he figured out that we were going to do stretch drawings. So I did the original uh, stretch paintings, drawings. And uh, <laughs> Mark Davis came in one day and said, you know those drawings that you've done for the stretch paintings? He says, they're no good, so I'm going to redo them. <laughs> I said, oh, Mark. And I knew, you know, he didn't have much of an ego, did he? You know, I thought to myself, he'd do a better job anyway, because I wasn't doing much artwork on my own at that time. And I knew that he probably would have done a much better job. I said, fine. I'll tell you another story about Mark. And when they put us on the Gold Coast in in, in Wed, the Gold Coast was all the desks that had windows where you could look outside. And uh, mine, there was uh, the... Dick Irvine's office was right at the end, and then my little cubicle started right after that, and then then, then Mark was in the room next to me. And what happened was Mark wanted to change offices because my office was closer to Dick Irvine's. Mm-hmm. And so he came and he says, you know, Rolly, he says, I don't, the light isn't coming in through the window properly. Can I change rooms with you? I said, sure. I didn't know. Then it dawned on me later, he wanted to be closer to Dick Irvine. He wanted to be one of the boys on the, on the Gold Coast who was up front, you know. So, but those, those are little things that you live with. And I just used to crack up over it. I thought, if you're that worried about where you're positioned, you got a problem. <laughs> You know that's that's definitely something that kind of that's the the common thread in your stories in, in the book is that you have a personality 
where you can you can handle those kind of things without any jealousy, but you also stand up for your ideas at the same time. Is that fair to say? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I didn't hold back. You know, yeah, I just played the game, whatever would work best with the game that we were playing. <laughs> well, and, and you had a special relationship with with Walt during a lot of this time because. Because of that, right? I mean, he he sort of, I, I feel like he respected you a lot more because you weren't a yes man. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know anyone else who would tell Walt to his face that a piece of design work that he did that Walt was looking at that was a piece of crap. <laughs> I mean, nobody would, would do that about their own personal artwork. But I did that with the Tower of the Four Winds. Yeah. I told Walt when we were down there looking at it together, he says, what do you think of it? I says, I think it's a piece of crap. And he says, Roland, it can't be a piece of crap. It cost me $400,000. <laughs> and that was it. He told you it can't be a piece of crap, and therefore it's not. Okay, 200000 I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, every time I tell the story. It'll be a million by the time I tell it again. 100000 Yeah, 200000 Yeah. Oh, no, man. but I think the thing was that, it's, you know, I, didn't, I was in meetings with Walt. For three years before I said anything, I just listened and watched and worked like a bunch, absorbing everything and what everybody, how everybody reacted to Walt and how he reacted to everybody. And it was a great education because on a daily basis, I was learning all of this good stuff. And so it was a, it was a marvelous time frame. And then, of course, as time went on, then, you know, I, I, unbeknownst to me, Walt was aware of me. In fact, you know, he used to walk the halls in the, at nighttime after work, and he'd go into everybody's room. And a lot of times he'd go into the trash and see what kind of drawings they were doing. Wow. So, I mean, this was a given. Everybody knew that Walt walked the hallways. And so I think after seeing my propellers every night when he went down the hall, walkway was one of the reasons he wanted me to do the, come to wed. So I, he was, you know, he's very intuitive and mm. very inquisitive. An absolutely a beautiful man. Well, I mean, it, that definitely would make sense if you're if you're if your desk and your area sets you apart from everybody with a very creative slant like that. I mean, that's got to key in with a mind like Walt. That, that makes that makes total sense. Well, you know, one of the greatest compliments I ever got was uh, after Walt had passed away and we had finished the new Tomorrowland. We were all having lunch up at the Thirty Three Club. And Roy came up to me, and I had never seen Roy. I'd never talked with Roy. Roy came up with me and introduced himself, because I'm Roy. I'm not, and he says, "You are you Roley Crump? And I said, yes, I am, sir. He said, well, my brother used to talk about you. Ugh. And I just, damn near shit. <laughs> I mean. Completely get it. I would, too. Oh, you know, and, and that's in your chapter on Walt in your book, Rolly, I'll tell you, I literally teared up on at least three separate occasions, and some of us in here are are tearing up at that story too, because it's 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 really nice to to know that that you're thought of not only as a as a as a good artist but a good person and a good coworker and a good f- friend. I think that's beautiful. Well, I think the other thing is is that a lot of times, and I think you mentioned it when you're talking about um, showing Walt the clock for Small World. He wouldn't necessarily give you a compliment to your to your face, but he would go and tell someone else, 
hey, well, Rolly did a great job on something, and then it would get back to you. It shows how much he really did care for, care for you. Well, I damn near cried when he told me that, mm-hmm. when uh, Roy told me that. And then he just shook my hand and walked away. That's the only conversation I ever had with Roy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's rewind a little bit and, and just talk briefly about the, the Tiki Room, specifically the, the, the Tiki Gods. What, what I didn't understand about you know, seeing those tikis in the uh, lobby, I guess it is. I don't know. Is that you, not only did you design those, right? At least I knew that part, but you had no idea what tikis were or any of the history about it or how to sculpt. Like you learned a a few different skills to perform this artwork that that amazes me. I, I guess I can't even get my thought across properly. It's still mind boggling. Well, what happened when I started working on the tiki room, there was only about three or four of us with Walt that started talking about what the Tiki Room would be. Then finally, um, Walt said, you know, that, at that time it was still a restaurant. He says, well, you know, when people are standing out li- outside waiting in line to have something to eat, he says, we have to have something to entertain them. And Walt did that throughout Disneyland. He always had these bands that wandered around, you know, to, to entertain the, the public. And so he said, Rolly, I, he says, I want you to... Uh, come up with something that uh, will kind of educate people about about the Tiki Room. And I didn't have a friggin' clue what he was talking about, <laughs> so I went to Hinch, and Hinch says, go get in the library and get a book on and read about Tiki's, for God's sakes, really. And he says, it'll come to you. Well, what happened was I got a book out that was written by the, the missionaries that were in the islands, and the missionaries had written a book all about the gods and goddesses of the islands and what they believed in. And their names and everything about them. So I read that, and I thought, shit, that's great. I started doing sketches of all the different gods and goddesses with their name and, and what they were gods of. Yeah. And I presented that to Walt, and Walt said, okay, Rolly, go. He said, these are good. He said, go ahead and sculpt them. And so I said, okay. So then I went to Blaine Gibson, the sculptor, and I said, Blaine, uh, we've got to get these uh, tikis sculpted. And he says, I don't have time for it. I said, well, who's going to do it? He says, you are. I said, me? I said, I've never done it before. He says, I'll help you get started. So he showed me how to build an armature to do a piece of sculpture with and kind of stood behind me to get me started. And and I ended up doing about a third of all the tiki's as well as that damn thing that came out of the ceiling that had all the birds on it. I had to sculpt that while sitting on a Raymond lift. They'd put me on the lift and they'd send me up there all morning long and sculpted it while I was up in the air. Wow. And I had only come down to go to the bathroom and have lunch <laughs> and then go back up again. Wow. So it was a, it was, you know, you just did what you had to do. Yeah. And those, and it was just a ball, just an absolute ball. You're like Michelangelo up there painting the ceiling. You were like Michelangelo. Oh, yeah, I was like Michelangelo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it, what what surprises me about that story, and I guess why I, I bring it up, is because people are still inspired by those tiki's. People are still currently now making artwork based on your designs, if, if not just you know copying them to get better at their at their own personal work. But your you have this ability to learn a thing and then execute it, and not just well, but in an inspirational sort of way where, where people are looking at your artwork as this is how the tiki's look. And do you ever, do you ever think about that when you, when you reflect on your career? Well, once in a while, I was like, those, those two guys that uh, make a living off of my, of, of copying my 
all my tickies, you know, those two guys, they always have shows all the time, and there's sculpture, and there's paintings, and there's drawings, and they're just of my work, and they're not there, and they're taking credit for all that. And I just think, oh, well, fine, if, you, if you're that hungry, it's all you, because everybody knows and everybody recognizes my style. Yeah. So it doesn't me at all. But uh, it's kind of great. You learn to live with the crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you do. You have to. You have to because if it, if you don't learn to live with it, it will eat you up, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't. I, you know, I've had a. I had a when I had my own business. I had a little file called assholes I've known, <laughs> and uh, so I just always put those those people into my assholes I've known file. Awesome. You know that's the nice thing about being a cartoonist. Everything has a sense of humor to it. Yeah. So, oh. You have to look at it that way. Jeez. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Um, all right, let's move on here a little bit to, uh, well, I guess it's it's Haunted Mansion adjacent, uh, Museum of the Weird. That's probably where I first learned about you. My my friend, he was a figure finisher. He's now an Imagineer. But when he was in figure finishing, he told me about your Museum of the Weird concept and sort of a little bit behind that and your artwork spoke to me too and not that i'm making money on it but um it's it is it is very surreal and and, and bizarre could you just explain a little bit about museum of the weird and and uh and, and, and where that went <laughs> what happened was all the time i worked on the mansion was for three years i felt that it was corny i felt yeah. that it really needed some spooky stuff in it and I saw a film made in in uh, Paris. It was a Beauty and the Beast. And what it, what it was was this big mansion that the Beast lived in, and all the sculpture in the in the mansion was human parts. There was arms that held torches in the hallways. There was arms that held grapes on the table. And so whenever the 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 demon, I mean you know the Beast would come home, all these people's heads arms that were in the in the uh, mansion would come to life and so I thought geez that's kind of neat so I started drawing all these characters that I thought be in the mansion and what happened was um, nobody liked my my drawings in fact Dick Irvine couldn't stand them and so they decided they were going to have a, a, a demonstration and a talk to Walt about everybody that was working on the mansion and uh so I had little models of all of this. I had some little sketches that I did. And when they sent my stuff up in, in the uh, conference room, they put all my stuff behind where Walt was going to sit. And so Walt came in and sat down and looked in the direction. And the guys gave all of their, their talks up front there and everything. And... Um, so I, I, I just went along with whatever was going on. I didn't pay much attention. And finally said, Walt turned to Dick Irvine. He says, is that it? And Dick Irvine says, yeah. And Walt says, well, what's this stuff behind me? <laughs> you know, you never. And Walt saw everything, everything. And he says, well, that's some stuff Rolly did. And Walt says, well, what's the stuff that Rolly did? And he says, we don't know. You'll have to ask him. <laughs> and so Walt and I pushed our chairs over. Well, they were on wheels the little stuff that I did and I want to know how I was going to use it. I said, I don't know. I said, I think we just need to put some scary stuff in the mansion. I said, I think we have very unusual pieces of sculpture and a lot of these things will come to life. But I said, I really haven't decided 
how to use those. So he said, oh, okay. So then that's when he said, I'm out of here. I'm going home. Well, everybody said goodbye, and, and all, all the guys came up and said, you know, Roly, we knew Walt wouldn't like your stuff. It was too weird. <laughs> I said, I don't care. I was having a good time with it. The next morning, I came to work, and at 7 o'clock in the morning, Walt Disney sitting in my chair at my desk. Oh, no. Oh, no. I walked up, and I, and I said, good morning. He says, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I've been called a son of a bitch by Walt Disney. And I said, oh, my God, what's wrong? And he says, I didn't get any sleep last night. I, I kept thinking about all those crazy drawings that I saw that you did yesterday, and you didn't, didn't know what to do with them. He says, I figured it out. I know what we're going to do with them. I says, you do? And he says, yeah, we're going to do a museum of the weird. And he says, Ronnie, you can do whatever you want that's weird, and we'll put it in the museum. Wow. My God, thank you, sir. And what happened was then he got Dick Irvine to go get all the guys that were in the meeting the day before and brought them in. He said, okay, Ronnie's going to design the museum of the weird, and I'm going to sit down and talk to you about what, what he and I have decided we're going to put in the museum. And then after he got, got up, he said, I'm going to go home and go to bed. And they all came up to me afterwards and said, oh, Raleigh, we knew you had something. <laughs> I don't know. I was too much of a free soul. Nothing ever really bothered me much. And, and the little things that I did, I was happy with. So, yeah, I didn't take anything that serious. I really didn't. I was having too much fun. Yeah. I enjoyed going to work every day, and I just had fun. What happened, do you think, with the Museum of the Weird? I know it, it, it didn't, you know, obviously get installed, and, and Walt's passing probably had a lot to do with that. But if it's – we have this sort of reverence for, for the things that Walt has touched and Walt directly worked on. It just seems to me that if he gave you the, the stamp of approval for the Museum of the Weird and you guys had meetings about it and he told everybody else about what you're going to do, it should have it gone in. Oh, well, I don't know. Politics. Mm. You know, they, they – you know <laughs> – well, they, they wouldn't get. They wouldn't, wouldn't. let me do it. Yeah. Dick hmm. Irvine wouldn't give me the authority to do it. I mean, he wouldn't put me on and say, "Okay, well, they designed the museum." No, it had to. See, he handed out the what's your projects. So he was the uh, one that was project head of projects. Hmm. And so, see, the interesting thing about it was all my work I did. Dick Irvine told me what to do. Well, I found out from John Hench years later that Walt told Dick. What I what he wanted me to do, so it always came from Walt, not from Dick Irvine. But I never knew that. Mm. I always thought the assignments were given to me by Dick, and it was Dick's decision. No, it was Walt's. If mm. Walt had lived, it would have happened. Yeah, well, that's too. Yeah, bad. again, if Walt had lived, we would have done the museum of the weird. There's no problem with that. Yeah, no doubt about that. Mm. Do you ever feel like a, a sense of loss or something when, when, when something you've worked on and designed either doesn't get implemented, like the Museum of the Weird, or something that you designed gets pulled like uh, Mr. Toad's in Disney World or something like that? Is there a sense of loss there when that happens? Well, it's sad, uh, but I don't, you know, it's just part of the world we live in. And so I never, I don't get upset about it, no. I just, I kill feel kind of bad about it, but yeah. I had fun doing it, and if they didn't do it after I did it, well, that's something else again. Because I can't, I can't do that. I can't carry grudges, and I can't carry stuff like that. I just say, well, that's the name of the game, so let's let it go. Because I was so goddamn thrilled with all the stuff that I did do 
that uh, still standing there. So I've got a good, I got a beautiful portfolio standing <laughs> in three dimension at Disneyland. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that is there anything that was in the museum that made it into the haunted mansion? The wallpaper, yeah, <laughs> the wallpaper made it, and it wasn't meant to be wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, tell me about that. I I just learned about that from from your book, and and that wallpaper is one of the iconic. I mean, they they are rolling that on every single piece of merchandise <laughs> that they can right now. Uh, can you can you tell me a little bit about about your original design for that and how and how it came about? I know how it happened now. Um, What happened was all the designs on the wallpaper were supposed to be man-eating plants that were going to be in big cages or in great big uh, glass cages because what we decided was in the mansion you could go through and you'd see man-eating and you'd see people's, you know, human bones laying there where the the man-eating plant had eaten somebody. And so that was the idea, those sketches that I did. Well, there was a designer that I guess was doing the interior designs and, and found those sketches that I did. And, and she made wallpaper out of them. So, huh. It yeah. was a portion of the man-eating plant that became the yeah, pattern yeah, on the paper. Yeah, became the, became the pattern. Yeah, and they, they tweaked it out a little bit. And she actually yeah. traced, she traced them beautifully. Yeah. Do you, do you like it? Are you happy with that? With the the way it, it looks right now, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm happy with everything. <laughs> I think everything's okay. But didn't somebody, some fan that called you or talked to you, told you about it? Yeah. I mean, up till that point, you didn't even know that they had. Yeah, your yeah, name. yeah. I did. I found out. It was an artist that I knew, and she just traced my work. Wow. Doing interior designs, and evidently she liked those little patterns that I did of the man-eating plants, and so she just traced them. And so that's why I look like my work, because they're traced. <laughs> <laughs> and you're fine with that. That doesn't bother you. Oh, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Everybody knows it's yours. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's funny. I don't have to brag about it. It's all there. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny, because I didn't notice it, or I didn't read about it until this week, and then right now in Disneyland, they have a Haunted Mansion sort of art gallery and in the art gallery is your original design for the plant and with a plaque underneath it that's that explains this was the inspiration for the haunted mansion wallpaper so now a lot more people are gonna are gonna know that and i think that's beautiful oh wow that's great yeah well i don't know i just i got a photo today of it i was like oh man i bet rolly's excited about that i think that's uh that's really nice let me uh, let me skip over some Disney stuff now because you did a lot of design work outside of Disney. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure all of them, if not most of them, are, are in your book. But do you have like one crazy story about a client or a job that you worked on that you would love to tell us? Do you have a, a story that you'd like to share about a, a job that you did outside of Disney? Well, uh, yeah, fairy tales. Cousteau. Oh, Cousteau. Yeah, that, that yeah. would be a good one. They're all in my book. All the things I did outside of Disney are in my book. Okay. Yeah, the Cousteau story was was great. I mean, you know, you speaking of 
your ability to call people out, you were staying on the Calypso, his boat, right, for I think a week or something because you were doing some design work for him. And then you told him, you said, you guys are liars because you guys are you're crazy. But with the way you edit your TV shows, <laughs> you make everything seem so calm and cool. But you guys are all nuts. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a nightmare working with him. <laughs> uh, the problem is working with the French. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know, for the French or the French. And yeah. uh, I, I, I didn't, when I, well, that's a long story because they okay. hired me because of all the illusions I did. And then they put me, I was on their payroll for a while. And then they ran out of money and they couldn't keep me busy. And so I just kind of came and went. But they they took what I designed as far as a the museum for them, and um, it was all laid laid out perfect. But what they did was they hired a French uh, design company to execute everything, but there was no project management, and they mm-hmm. went way over budget. Ah. In fact, uh, Cousteau himself personally put over a million dollars into the project, Oof. and that was because there was no project management. And, you know, when I'm doing a project, I'm also a project manager. I always watch how, how much everything costs and how much time it's going to take. And that's always been my responsibility. But they have anyone in charge. So they just let this little French design team do whatever they wanted. So what happened was, after six months, it closed because it went out of business. Oh. You know, they just they ran out of money. That's a bummer. And it was kind of sad because I had a lot of fun doing the museum. Yeah. I did a ride to the bottom of the ocean in it, and I did a lot of uh, interactive things. I did a 100-foot whale that you actually walk through. And so I had a lot of fun doing it, but then they didn't know how to execute it properly. So oh. that was okay. I, I wasn't there with them anymore anyway. <laughs> I uh, told them I never wanted to work. <laughs> I told the, the vice president the last time I saw him, I said, don't ever have them call me again. I don't <laughs> want to work for them ever. Wow. Meanwhile, Joe had passed away, which was kind of sad. You know, yeah. he uh, was a great guy. He had great sense of humor. I loved him. That's too bad. Yeah. Real quick, I know it's it's getting late for you guys. Uh, how are you on time? I, I can wrap it up if if you want. You know, our I think the phone. The, I don't know if you can hear this little beep beep beep, but I think the battery's going to die. <laughs> okay. That's our beep beep beep. Uh, no, it just it it's, it comes over as a pause on our side, but it's fine. Oh, I I just thought it was it was the the connection. Well, um, I I have these little questions, maybe eight questions or so, uh, and then we can just do those, and then I'll let you guys go. Is that would that be fair? What are they? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah they're super fast, and I'll let you guys go. Um, what's your favorite Disney attraction, Rolly? <laughs> Everybody asks me that. <laughs> Well, the the bottom line is all of them. Okay. You know, I mean, I have ones that became my favorites. The Tower of the Four Winds probably became my favorite uh, because it was strictly rolling. There was no Disney attachment to it. Wow. But uh, that was pretty much it. But what about the, an attraction in the park, that you, even if you didn't work on it? Well, probably uh, Small World Facade and the Clock. Okay. Small World Okay. What the favorite that I did? Okay. What's your and now? This is just yeah. This is just general Disney attractions at all. What's your least favorite Disney attraction? Do you have a least 
favorite Disney attraction? No. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's uh, what old ride should they bring back to the park? Oh, I don't know. Huh? <laughs> okay. That's that's fair. My eyes are closing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, last here's the last one. What's your favorite Disney character? Why don't you, if you have a lot of questions, mail them to us. <laughs> <laughs> Raleigh's kicking me off. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm well, just that, kidding. That's about it. I can't. It's totally fine. I, I, Rolly, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, Marie, thank you very much for facilitating. I'll let you guys go. It is getting late. Um, I, I apologize. I kind of went all over the place with my questions, but uh, <laughs> I had a great, I had a great time. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you very much, both of you. Okay. All right. Well, we- Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. Okay, good night. Bye. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> oh, we got kicked off the phone. That was amazing. <laughs> we got kicked off the phone. Yeah, we were on the phone for a while. He was like, I got it. For an hour and ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, my eyes are closing. Yeah, and you know what? But that's, that. from what I understand from the book, classic Rolly. Yeah. Like, I'm just kind of done with it. And and he tells a story in his book that Walt kind of did that with him. Yeah. One day he's like, yeah, I'm there. Actually, I think it was in that meeting about Museum of the Word. He goes, I can't. I'm done. And he would just got up and left. Wow. And I think that's exactly what happened here. Okay. So, uh, Rolly, thank you so much. And the voice, the other voice you heard every now and then was his wife, Marie. Um, you know, Rolly, you know, is getting on. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, we can't hear too good. Right. So she helped us out a little bit. Um, what a sweet man. Oh, my that was amazing. I, I, I want to be his friend. Like, I really want to be his friend. I wanted to tell him I had a joke in my mind. I was like, Rolly, I, I need to learn. I need to figure out how to split you up because I need to marry you. <laughs> like, I, I need to. I, I need to. No, I don't think he would have. I think that's an in person joke. And even then, it probably isn't very funny. But I, I, uh, I really need to marry him. I'm sorry, Taryn. He's, that's okay. He's amazing. I understand. So does she. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I, it's tough. Yeah. It was a good time. Oh. God bless. Broly Crump. And uh, literally, I had three pages of questions. I didn't get to any of our of our uh, listener questions, and I'm sorry for that, yeah. for anybody who, who threw down a question for us on social media. I, I just, I could tell that things were sort of winding yeah. up, yeah. and, you know, especially with the Cousteau story, yeah. Marie was getting tired. I can tell Rolly was getting tired. So I just, I don't know, I had this feeling. So I was like, you know what? Let's just let's let's wrap it up. It was better for him to say, "I think it's time for us to go," than for him to just hang up, <laughs> right? Or to be thoroughly annoyed, yeah, right. and so. stay there and answer the question. So, right. uh, hopefully, we can have him on again. I would love to to honestly do it in person. I think that would be much yeah. better, yeah, much easier okay. for everybody. But uh, I'm going to hang on everyone's questions, and if we get a chance to actually, well, he did say he yeah, did say mail them to me, and I think he was joking, but <laughs> I might do it anyway, yeah, no. just to see. And the next show will have just me reading Rolly's. I'll just read his book to everybody. I'm okay with that. I'm ready I'll, to read his book right now. It's a good book. Got to wait till I'm done. <laughs> just flipping through it, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so good. I had so many questions, man. I had so many questions. We had 11 questions from the uh, listeners. Wow. And I, and I knew I couldn't do it. And then, you know, with, with our seven questions, the whole Walt thing, I knew he was getting tired. I really wanted to ask him about that Walt question. Yeah. But 
I think the answer would have been too long, and I don't think he would have. He just wasn't. Re- he wasn't into it. He wasn't he was into it tired. anymore. Yeah, he wasn't into it anymore. I think that's absolutely that's right. right. He was. He was done with the conversation. So I don't think we would have gotten a really good answer, anyways. Not a not a good answer, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And also, like I kind of think that not asking it made the interview more about him. Yeah. And less about Walt. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, that's what I wanted to do. Is I wanted very much to make this interview about him and not Walt, right? Yeah. And um, so, because you know, I'm sure that that man gets asked all the time, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. was very free flowing with his Walt information. But mm-hmm. I just, I think that we kept it focused on him, and I liked that. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Let's do some Disney news. What do you guys think? Sounds like a plan. All right, let's do it. Let's go. A lot of Disney news lately, actually. March in the past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. Oh, remember that time we talked to Rolly Crump? Oh, that nope. was the best day ever. That was tight. We had a listener who uh, he texted me a picture of him in Disneyland right now. Yeah. And, um, and I said, hey, have fun. I'm talking to Rolly Crump. And he goes... I'm actually jealous right now. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't happen often. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this to Rolly, you know, my close personal <laughs> friend Rolly, uh, but I thought it was it was a, a cool uh, article. It's on Insider.com. Disney animators still ask to see artwork from, uh, well, they say a legendary Cinderella artist, but it's Mary Blair. Nice, yeah. And they, you should Google it, look it up, or maybe I'll link it in the show whenever I post it. Um, what the hell is this person's name? Anyway, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Now I'm tired. It's cool. It's pretty neat. 70 years, 60 years down the line, current animators are looking towards Mary Blair for help with character design. Not because she did a bunch of like pre-work on Disney on uh, Cinderella, and there's a lot of different looks. And some of those, the author is, is saying that they look very similar to like the Frozen princesses mm-hmm. yeah. or um, um, Aurora. Princess Aurora, like it's some of the designs and the clothes and all that kind of stuff is very, they're very, very close, like the original Cinderella drawing. So, I don't know. I thought that was really oh. neat. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you think the world's fastest growing theme park is? Disneyland Paris. Fastest growing? Fastest growing kidding. theme park. Universal as, Studios. As far as expansion? Um, I believe attendance. I'm going to say to, uh, Disney, uh, was it Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Disney Sea. Are they? Is it Disney only? Is that our? our no, I agree with Taryn. I think it's Universal. I think it's world's Universal fastest Studios. growing theme park. Universal Studios. Universal Studios. Hollywood. Uh, I mean Florida. You know uh, Orlando. Uh, well, yes, you guys are correct. Wow. Every report of the theme park attendance or whatever since 2009 has revealed that the Universal Studios theme parks in Japan, Florida, and California had a greater attendance growth than any. Other theme park. Wow. I didn't even know there was one in Japan. I was just Neither did I. And uh, they're saying that it's pretty much Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's the only reason I guessed that. It's the only reason I would go. Right. The, 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 <laughs> yeah. Truth. Well, basically, yeah. The 80-year-old shark that they have there as well. Yeah. You're going to need a bigger <laughs> bird. <laughs> Put some makeup on that thing. <laughs> the reports show that attendance at these parks has surged by an average of 32.1%. Since Harry Potter Land opened, the premiere of of the first one was at Universal's Island of Adventure Park in Orlando, Florida in 2010 and has generated the greatest growth in attendance. Since its debut, guest numbers at Islands of Adventure have increased by a staggering 64.5%. Jeez. 
That's sixty four percent. Five percent. Yeah, that's how much. I think you, you just broke Terrence and I. Their guest attendance. I'm I'm wondering, and I know this is not going to be part of the article. I'm wondering if they look at instead of just attendance to the park as a whole, but if they look at attendance to segments of the park. So if you look at what the you know honestly <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, look yeah. at how I what, don't think that they can tell I necessarily. I think it's just because at, at, in Orlando, Universal's two parks. And so I think the, oh, the okay, Islands okay, okay. of Adventure Park is people are buying tickets for that more, and, okay. and that I think that's how they tell. I don't know right. if they right, can go like Simpsons to, Land because Simpsons Land is over there, right? Right. Exactly, but you're you're not like scanning into Simpsons. No, Land. I know. I just I was just wondering because yeah. I, I wonder what percentage of this is directly due to Harry Potter. Well, they're, I mean, they're saying just you know in 2009 it wasn't really happening, but 2010 when Harry Potter opened. So 100% of 63%. Basically, yeah. yeah. That's exactly yeah. Like, yeah. like what's happening at Disneyland yeah. right now with Star Wars. Land. Oh. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it just was announced today, I believe, that uh, Rise of the Resistance yep. is opening in Orlando first before. Yep. Yeah, that's and, weird. And, well, I, I think it's really just because they can use the boost in Hollywood Studios. That place has been closed down forever. You know, we've, we already have yeah. the opening. You, you think? I think yeah. what they so one of the well I don't want to give credit out there to Rat Talk that that <laughs> website but I think one of the things that I read was you're stupid. very subtle too <laughs> yeah you like that one of the things that I read was that um, the the Disney World version was several months behind when they started it and they learned from all of the issues mm-hmm. that they had before that they had there structurally and they were able to change and tweak things. Um, at their start, and that's why they're able to open it. But I'm assuming probably, that it's yeah. exactly the same ride. So it is. why? It's the same ride. Why couldn't they just open on the same day? Agreed. We've heard it's done. Well, because it's it's the most complicated ride ever. ever. Like in the history of what is it ever. like? Do it's we a know? Weird we have trackless idea? system where at some point you are on the on a Death Star. Was it platform or whatever? I, don't, it is. I think so. And yeah, I don't actually really know. There's other pictures where there are like eight, like ATATs and ATSTs, like towering over you, and like all the of the big this. walkers. Yeah, and so it's it's really really weird looking. And so I yeah. I don't at, know, at one point, I heard you get out of the car. Like there's different. It's a oh, thing. It's right. a whole. It's a whole thing. It and so like a disaster. Yeah. Well, that's. I, that's what literally what's it happening. Is, it's, yeah. it's it's a disaster, and I think what Terrence is saying is is correct. It's they're learning from what's happening in Disneyland because the rumor right now is that like they're just they're still working on. It. We've already talked yeah. about, it. but over in Disney World things are going fine. Yeah, things are going fine. So why not open it? And yeah. um, anyway, uh, December fifth is also Walt's birthday. Nice. And so it is It is sort of cool that they're opening the literal most complex ride Disneyland's mm-hmm. ever had, I think, or even any other theme park, on Walt's birthday, yeah. who has done so much for all these other theme parks, yeah. essentially. Um, it's pretty neat. That's awesome. Here's, here's what else is neat. Base Mountain Ghost Galaxy, our favorite overlay, mm. is not returning Good. this year. Ah. Right? Jackie hated that. I hated that. He hated that ride when it was I, over. I did it like oh. once or twice, and I was like, I don't really. I saw it dumb. It, I missed the thing. I was like, this is stupid, dude. Just give me the other music. I didn't like any of. I don't like any of the overlays in Space Mountain. But no. yeah, no. They they're just, all like, dumb. Space Mountain is so good, very cool as it is. Yeah, you know what they should do is they should um, overlay Space Mountain with Space original Mountain. on top of Space Mountain Ghost Galaxy. 
Just year round. Yeah. That was really stupid. Thank, Thank you. You. <laughs> you know what else is really stupid? Angelina Jolie returns to her wicked ways. On a wicked no, it's a wicked game. Never mind. Not oh, wicked okay. ways. On a wicked ways you play. In <laughs> uh, Disney's Maleficent Mistress of Evil trailer. And the sequence picks up several years after the events of 2014's Maleficent. The relationship between Aurora and uh, Maleficent gets even more complicated as new threats loom for the formerly cursed princess who's next in line to become Queen of the Moors. New alliances are formed in the struggle to protect... I'm the Queen of the Moors. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the T. I don't know. Whatever that means. Um, anyway, so it's, it's a whole thing, dude. It sounds dumb. Can I just say that I can't stand her? No, she yeah, is. No, she's terrible. I don't want to watch this movie. Speci- well, I don't want to watch this movie for a lot of reasons, but her being in it is specifically one of the main reasons. Yeah, absolutely I feel like right. That was the last movie we saw in theaters. Maleficent. Maleficent. <laughs> yeah. Did we see Maleficent in the theater? Yeah, oh, you guys wasted yeah. your money. This is why, why I never go to the movie theaters. <laughs> I'm just wait for it to come out on why, the internet. But yeah. yeah, I don't know why either. Because we never would have watched it at home. True story. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so here's something that's pretty cool, though. Let me rinse this out, this maleficent <laughs> nonsense out with something pretty neat. Uh, Disney Plus, the streaming service that Disney's had. When is that launch? Anyway, soon, right? Soon. I think so. Yeah. I think September, August. October, August. I think August. You know, we got to get in on that, right? I I already know. I was literally thinking about it the other day. I was like, when is Jason going to say that we have to get that? <laughs> like eight months ago. Yeah, right. Well, that's true. Uh, the report. <laughs> they're uh, developing an Oswald the Lucky Rabbit TV series. Okay. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, they have a writer from SpongeBob SquarePants oh. hired on, so I, I think that. that'll be cool. Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, um, blah, blah, blah. Good good article. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I'm excited about that. I, that's, that's some new content that I can get behind. That's cool. Um, last but not least. Okay. Last but not least. Okay. All the other news we're going to talk about um, on the secret show here shortly insect migration studied with the help of tiny fanny packs nice. <laughs> this is very much a social club issue so uh, if you're not in the in main street fanny packers a new study by university of Guelph researchers in connection with the nature conservancy of canada has equipped a pair of insect species uh, monarch butterflies and common green darner dragonflies with tiny radio transmitting fanny packs that will help researchers track their migration. Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, they are wearing the fanny pack. This is Bugs yeah. Life come to life. That's true. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder, like, who has the job of clipping the fanny pack onto the bug? Like, you got to be real careful. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> too tight. Clipping the f- Can you adjust my... Screams in butterfly. <laughs> I feel like our club just, like, got... Exponentially bigger <laughs> and cooler. Yes, and cooler. I'm not gonna lie about that. And cooler. <laughs> that's amazing. Anyway, that's the news. That's awesome. That was, that was a good story. That, that was a really good story. <laughs> you know what we didn't do in the beginning of the show? You can find us on social media. Check us out: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Uh, you can send feedback on the show to Taryn at earsup-podcast.com. You can send show suggestions to Terrence at earsup-podcast.com. You can say hi, hi to Bev and anything else comes to me, Jason, earsup-podcast.com. Terrence, go. I actually got uh, an email. What? Yeah. From whom? Uh, Whomst? I cannot remember her name right now, but here's the... Um, oh, goodness. So while I'm looking up the thing, I'll tell you what the email was. Basically... 
Um, she liked our liked you guys. As what review. do you mean now? You're unprepared. No, it happens from time. Yeah. Um, so she liked the um, uh, the show about Star Wars Land. Okay, her, her name is Bryn, by the way. Okay, um, and she had a suggestion. Bryn of Tarth. I guess so, yeah. Oh, uh, that's Brian. I know. After oh, okay. after <laughs> I Thanks, after I and Beverly at some point go and check out uh, Pew Pew Land, she go right now. Well, after we check it out, she wants us to not only talk about everything they did wrong, but she oh. wants us to redesign it so that it's better. Oh, oh damn! Interesting. And she said that would be a great oh, but we're show. We're not going to be able to do that until like twenty twenty eight because you're never going on back? a solid hiatus from Disneyland for a while. What? Why? Why? Because I'm poor. They're going to drop the you're, you're literally going to New Orleans in two weeks. And then it next year. Flooded, I might not be. <laughs> well, and also, if you go with either of us, and, like now. $99. $99, dollars yeah. dude. 99 Ooh. bucks. We can also probably get you signed in. We know a few people who work there. ever go. <laughs> I know. I'll go again. I'll go, but. I think I'm pretty sure Abby can still pass for under two. <laughs> she, <laughs> <insane>. <laughs> She's pretty short and tiny. She is itty bitty, but no, I don't think so. Really? Not for like a, a, like you're talking be- a year. It'll probably be a year, yeah. Wow. No, we'll make it before then. Damn, boy. I doubt it. Okay. No. You, you, you know what? Have this car. I'll go to. I'll go tomorrow. I'll go today. Let's I'll get go the right car. now. Why are you guys fighting? I'm just, I'm just stating a point. Yeah. Do you really um, need this money? Because you I should take this, it. <laughs> you have this conversation with my husband. I don't Who want said to. He needs to go. I don't really like talking oh, to that's Sam. True. He doesn't have to go. He doesn't. No. No, but he does. But I kind of like him. I like him too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it beats me hanging out with Bev and her kid. Actually, does she have to go? Does <laughs> just be Sam? <laughs> yes. Oh, we might can, get in trouble, actually. You know, you know what we should do? You know, then, he, then he might You're go. done. I can't turn your microphone off, but I can take it away from you. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should have Sam help us with that show and how to redesign Star Wars Land. It'll be ridiculous. I know. He won't oh, be serious be, at all. That'd be fun. I think it'd be amazing. Sam should make a, a, an appearance on this show. He'd just be so negative about everything. Well, I I, th- I really think next you time... People, you just want the pressure of negativity to be off of you. <laughs> right. Um, maybe. I, I, I really think Sam should be on the next... Like, uh, What did I change it from? Armchair Imagineering to, you know, I don't know what I did. <laughs> Call it stool sample, where we just we're on a stool instead of an armchair. Don't call it And it's a sample of what we would do. I think stool samples. Why great. are you getting away from armchair imagineering? Because other people use it. Yeah, but we were using it first. No. Uh, oh. Second, you know what? <laughs> no, not even that. Better. <laughs> yeah, yes. Regardless. That. Yeah. I'm gonna. On Put the ne- a hard no on so, stool sample. On the next stool sample, <laughs> I think we should have like Sam come in and participate. Although, if you're going to have okay Sam on that. any show, it better be called stool sample. Uh, Sam, I want you to redesign the Golden Horseshoe Review. Oh, I got real guns. <laughs> First of all, everyone walks in. For those of you who don't know, Bev's husband, Sam, is he's just kind of a dork, but on purpose. <laughs> and he yeah. just sometimes when he gets this, like in this um, mood he to be weird, he just kind of has his accent. And I don't know. It's like Mr. Garrison, but from Texas. It's just really weird. You come in with a, a bottle on your head and we shoot it off. It's true. That oh, is exactly true. And, and you're actually yeah. saying things that I 100% don't doubt that he would suggest. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, I'm married g- for love, people. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Um, you can support this show going over to Etsy.com slash Coveyears. Go to Patreon.com slash EarsUp and become a Patreon supporter. You get this show. You're also going to get the secret show. You also get Ears Up in depth. 
So that's at least a show a week plus the secret show. That's like five shows a month mm-hmm. for just being a Patreon supporter. I mean, you get it all for free anyway, except the secret show, but you get my meaning. Help us out. Come on. Would you do me a favor? We just interviewed Rolly Crump. I know. That was Help pretty us good, out. Dude. That was insane. I know. I'm gonna, I, I want to send him a bottle of wine. You think yeah. he still drinks? Yeah. Dude, yeah. He, and look at this. He drinks with those marijuana bro, posters. Those posters? <laughs> Those posters, dude, and and that see, and something. what I wanted to do is also talk to him about his style. How you, as an artist, how do you develop a style, and then how do you carry that over into stuff, but not make everything super pigeonholed? Yeah. I would imagine at some point, designers and, and artists are known for a thing, right? But looking at some of the stuff he did after Disney, like the eighties and nineties, it doesn't look like a Rolly Crump design for a building or whatever. Right, right. I mean, he did a thing in, in Ottoman. Yeah, like the Ottoman, yeah. like um, I know it's the, not the Ottoman Empire, not, but no Oman, Oman. Uh, that's Oman, what it was. Yeah. I mean, it, which looked nothing like anything Rolly has right. ever done. Um, it's just, it's just incredible. Yeah, I know, man, that guy's. And so that's what I want to talk to him about. It was getting too late. The whole thing. Maybe was if it, we can get him again, we can do a daytime show on a yeah. weekend or something. A daytime yeah. show on a weekend or, in L.A. or on a Tuesday. I don't yeah. care. Get I would take net. the day off. I would. Uh, <clears throat> could you imagine that video if we actually? Oh. That's um, uh, Bev is showing me a photo in the book. I don't know why she's still doing this, but she That's was amazing. Um, so Rolly mentioned he painted rocks and stuff like mm-hmm. that, right? Just someone imagineering, or I think animation was doing it, and he just picked it up, and it was a thing he still does. Mm-hmm. Um, Bev held me up a picture of a rock that says the S word on it. Yeah, and apparently that was Walt's favorite cuss word. Oh really? And so one day for like one time for for Christmas, like he gave him. Oh, that's funny. Or I think it was like his housekeeper said, like, "Hey, I want you to do a thing." But anyway, um, yeah. So he gave that's Walt funny. a rock with the S word painted on it because it was his favorite curse word. That's Walt funny. Disney's that's favorite funny. curse word. I have a feeling that Walt had a lot of curse words that he said. As it well, was though. well, there was one, and then there was that one, but nothing was worse than that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, you guys, please. Here's what you do: go to our Amazon link on our homepage, or it's not on our homepage; it's somewhere. Um, and buy the book through our Amazon account. That'd be that'd be tight. And you know what? I will link it to our Amazon account into the post for this show. Excuse me. Um, buy the book. Buy the book. Buy the book. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So yeah. good. Please. Do he this. has a good sense of humor. He's hilarious, man. I love like, that man. His sense of humor came out a lot in the interview. It comes out even more in this book. It's it's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's so incredible. Amazing. Anyway. You know what else is incredible? The 21st Amendment. They've been serving craft beer in the San Francisco Bay Area for 19 years, from their initial brew pub on 2nd Street in San Francisco to their production brewery and tap room across the bay in San Leandro. The 21st Amendment is now available in 29 states, including in and around the parks. Next time you're in San Francisco, visit their brew pub and shoot over to neighboring San Leandro to check out the new production brewery and tap room for great beers and good food. And be sure to check, excuse me, be sure to ask for the 21st Amendment wherever you find Good craft beer. Okay, let's get out of here. Yeah. We're going to do that. We're going to do the secret show. Uh, and then, um, you know, like that. I'm going to buy a book. You really should. It's an amazing book. You know, I, I talk a lot about um, Born Standing Up by uh, Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's still my favorite autobiography. That's my second. Wow. Or actually, it might even be tied. It used to be Born Standing Up, Cash by Johnny Cash. And uh, I don't think I've read another book, even just those two <laughs> ever. Um, that's my number two. Cash by Johnny Cash is number three. Wow, Born Standing Up. That's high praise, man. Really it's good. super good. And you know what? A, a book is good if it makes you cry. 
Yeah, yeah. Out of sentiment, not out of like horror or whatever. <laughs> and that did in, in the chapter about Walt. I seriously teared up twice, if not three times. And then during the pre-show interview, uh, I interviewed Rolly and, uh, and Maria. I talked to them on uh, Wednesday mm-hmm. morning. And I told them, I was telling Maria that story while, you know, Rolly was off the phone for a second. And I started tearing up telling the story about how I teared up about the story in the book. Oh. It's just it's just great. So read it and uh, see if you can tell which which uh, story I cried at like a small child. I wept. I dropped to one knee and wept. All right. We're out of here, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And you know what? Thanks a lot for supporting the show. I say it all the time, but I, I mean it today. <laughs> I really mean it. And uh, thanks to GetawayToday.com for sponsoring today's episode. Whether you're traveling to Disneyland, Disney World, or beyond, head over to GetawayToday.com slash ears up. And do not, absolutely, 100%, do not forget to ask for the 21st Amendment beers wherever you find good craft beer like DCA. If you forget, I'll know about it. And when I know about it, you'll know about it. And then we'll know about it. Until next time, we'll see you in the parks. <laughs>